for shelter in safe spaces. We thank you for we have more than we need and we struggle to get by. We thank you for how your creation meets us in awe wherever we look. Before we look into the Word, let's pray. And I would like you to just have your own personal thank you, Lord, time. Uh, because you have some personal things that you're thankful to Him for. And uh, I want to give you time to express that to Him. So let's just bow. And you have your thank you time with God. And then I'll pray before we go into the Word. Our Holy Father, we realize how much we have to be thankful for. And sometimes we regret all the times that we failed to thank you, all the times that we've failed to acknowledge that you are the source, you are the one who watches over us, you are the one who cares for us, you are the one who loves us so much. You're the one who has saved us from sin's control. You're the one who has given us hope beyond the grave. You're the one who walks with us every day. And, Father, I pray that it was sweet to you as many in this place offered their personal thank yous. I know that you never get tired of hearing that. And so once again, we've presented them to you. Guide us as we go into your word, Lord. Guide us as we remember again the difference you make because of your presence and your involvement in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are uh, in the third week of a four-part series called But God. Uh, it's a short series. Uh, there's so much more that we could be looking at, and maybe we'll continue this next year. 
I haven't heard a lot from many people that maybe we should do this next year, uh, so make sure you let me know. Um, what we're doing is we're <clears throat> each week taking one of these passages of Scripture where you have that phrase, but God, and uh, we're seeing what the context is of that, but God. And uh, we've looked at uh, two so far. Today will be the third. Uh, on your study sheet, you have kind of a, a review of the two that we've looked at. Uh, the first one was from 1 Samuel. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And then from Genesis 50, last week we saw this, but God principle in this world, we will experience evil, suffering, and tribulation. But God works in all of these situations to bring about what fulfills his good purpose for those who love him. Today, our but God uh, principle comes from 1 Corinthians. So if you could turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, this morning, I, I'm usually... Uh, speaking from the New International Version, but uh, I've noticed that not all versions necessarily have the phrase, but God, in some of these texts. So I'm just finding the ones that do. And I notice that uh, the New King James Version, the King James Version, and the one I'm reading from, Christian Standard Bible, have our phrase, but God. So I'm using the Christian Standard Bible uh, this morning. Uh, let me read the first 13 verses of 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, this will be our text that we'll go through today. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them since they were struck down in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Don't become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. Let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in a single day, 23,000 people died. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and were destroyed by snakes. And don't complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as examples and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. So, whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. Here's where we find our third but God principle. The subject in this passage is temptation. You see that eventually, toward the end of the passage, we come to that subject. Everything else prepared us for verses 12 and 13 on temptation. Let me uh, 
just throw out something really important here before we even start. Temptation is not sin. Let's just get that settled before we start looking at this passage. Temptation is not sin. It's, if you want to use a fishing term, it's the bait that entices us toward sin. Now, why can I say that? Well, if you look at uh, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, we find that Jesus himself was tempted. That's what the scripture says. When he was out in the wilderness for 40 days, the tempter, (coughs) the devil, met him there. And it says he was tempted. And yet we know that Jesus was sinless, right? But he was tempted. So being tempted cannot be sinful. Jesus was tempted. If you go to Hebrews chapter 4, you'll find the same thing. It says Jesus was tempted in all ways like us, yet without sin. So again, Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. So it's not sin to be tempted. James chapter 1 says we are tempted when desires within us are drawn toward or lured, to use the fishing term, by something, some stimulus, something out there. Whatever that is, it begins to draw our desires toward it. And James says it becomes sin when we allow those desires and whatever it was that was drawing us to unite and we take action. Then it's sin. So just want to keep that in mind because we're, we're going to look at temptation. But remember, temptation is not sin. Temptation is what draws us towards sin. So here is our principle. Our third but God principle. Temptations of many kinds are all around us, enticing us towards sin. This presents a great struggle. Let's stop there. If we stopped there, wouldn't be very good news, would it? We can relate to it. There are many kinds of temptations out there. We've all experienced many of them. And those temptations draw us, they entice us toward sin. And it often can become a great struggle for us. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your experience struggling with temptation. Have you ever felt like a failure because of your response to temptation? Have you ever felt like you're a terrible Christian because of how often you give in to certain temptations? Have you ever gotten weary of the same one or two temptations that keep coming your way and it's such a struggle to deal with those temptations, to try to resist them? We can relate to the first part of this principle. There are many temptations out there that entice us towards sin and they become a great struggle for us. That's reality. But 
God. But God is faithful. He is always present to help us resist and endure. So that's our but God principle that we're going to think about today. Temptations of many kinds are all around us, enticing us toward sin. And this presents a great struggle, but God is faithful. He is always present to help us resist and endure. Okay, this is going to be like a workshop. If you have a study sheet, if you don't, you're going to have to write this in your mind somewhere or write it on your hand. But if you have a study sheet, there's a place for you to identify two temptations in your life. And it's going to be important that you identify these. I want you to think of two temptations. Obviously, there aren't two in your life. There are many more. But I want you to think of the two that you seem, for some reason, to struggle with a lot. Okay? And they're going to be different for different ones of us. And don't worry, you don't have to tell anybody. But I want you to write them down if you have a study sheet or keep them in your mind because you're going to apply what we're going to talk about to those two temptations. So think about them, identify them, write them down. The two that seem to give you the most problems that you tend to struggle with. Two temptations. Now that you've identified them, I want you to just take a minute and replay in your mind what the struggle has been like for you with those two temptations. Just kind of replay that in your mind so you, you've got it fresh again in your mind. What it's like for you to struggle against those two temptations. So what you have now is you have two temptations that you struggle with the most. You've written them down. You've identified them. You've thought back to how much of a struggle that is with those two temptations. Now I want you to, uh, if you've got a sheet, from those two that you put on the lines, temptations, do one of these things so that there's a line from each one that goes to a point to your right on your sheet. And at that point... I want you to write these words. But God is faithful. You do that? You have those two temptations you struggle with on your paper. You've thought about what it's like to wrestle with them, to struggle with them. Then I want you to put to the right of them, but God is faithful. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 with your temptations in mind. I'm going to suggest that what Paul does is he presents to us two things that we have available to us when we are struggling with these two temptations that we've identified. Two things that are available to us when tempted. The first is that we have the Holy Scriptures. We have the Word of God. Invaluable. 
when we struggle with temptation. We're going to look at that, how Paul presents it. The second thing we have available to us when we are tempted is the faithfulness of God. Invaluable, crucial when we struggle with temptation. So, we have the Holy Scriptures and we have the faithfulness of God. We have the Holy Scriptures. This whole passage sets us up for verses 12 and 13 by talking about this. It begins talking about things that, for some of us, it's hard to understand. We don't even know where he's going, what he's talking about, especially if we have no Old Testament background. Uh, it's like, what in the world is Paul talking about? He talks about ancestors, our ancestors. You see that? I want you to be unaware not to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were. Who would be the ancestors he's talking about? It probably would be Jewish ancestors, Israelites. And if you have some Old Testament knowledge, you know that he goes on to describe probably the time when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt and toward the Promised Land. Isn't that what it sounds like? He even mentions Moses. And he says all of those ancestors of ours, all of those Israelites from the past, who followed Moses, had the same experience. You'll see the different phrases. All experience this. All experience this. All experience this. You see that in the text? So what he's saying is, let's go back to our ancestors, the Israelites. And let's go back to this time when they were traveling together under Moses' leadership. And they all had the same experiences. They all experienced the miracles of God. They all experienced the provisions of God. They all experienced the guidance of God. All of them. Yet, God was not pleased with many of them. Actually, most of them. Because they got involved in sin. Even though they'd experienced the miraculous works of God, even though they'd experienced the protection, the provision, the guidance, the care of God, God wasn't pleased with them much of the time because they kept giving in to temptation and sinning. And he gives some examples, starting in verse 7. He says, don't become idolaters as some of them were. And I think he goes on to refer to that time when they made the golden calf, remember? And they start reveling and partying and having orgies in front of this golden calf. Idolatry. Even though they'd experienced all this wonderful stuff that God had done for them, they gave in to temptation to put something else in God's place and worship it. He goes on and says they committed sexual immorality. They gave in to that temptation. So God wasn't pleased. He had to discipline them. Then he says they tested the Lord. They tested the Lord a lot. What does it mean to test the Lord? To test the Lord means to question his character. It means to question his goodness. It means to question his plan. Do you remember the Israelites doing that a lot? That's testing the Lord. When you test the Lord, you're putting yourself in the position of being God's judge. 
That's not a good thing. But that's what we're doing. That's what the Israelites did when testing God, thinking they could be in the position of judging God and questioning his character and his goodness and his plan. But they gave into that temptation because of their situations. And then he says the fourth sin they got involved in was complaining, verse 10. He says, don't complain like they did. Some of your Bibles say grumble. They grumbled a lot. They had a grumbling problem. They kept giving in to that temptation. And God had to discipline them for that. So why does Paul spend time working toward what we want him to get to, temptation, by going through all this Old Testament stuff and reminding us of those things? Well, there's two verses that tells us why. Notice verse 6. He says, now these things with the Israelites took place as examples for us. That we will not desire evil things as they did. Verse 11. These things with the Israelites happened to them as examples and they were written for our instruction on whom the ends of the ages have come. So that brings us to the idea of the Holy Scriptures. These things about the Israelites were written for us. That's the Scriptures, right? They were written, first of all, to give us an example. That's what Paul says. The Holy Scriptures give us examples. And in this case, the example of the Israelites and how they kept giving in to temptation and getting involved in sin. And how serious that was to God. But he says also, they were written to instruct us. To instruct us to stay clear from those sins. To not give in to the temptation like they did. And to instruct us like verse 12 says, so whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. What's Paul saying there? The instruction is, don't get so overconfident that you think you will never do what the Israelites did. Don't get so overconfident that you think you can stand against temptations toward idolatry, temptations toward sexual immorality, temptations toward testing God, temptations toward grumbling and complaining. Don't get so overconfident that you think you can stand against those temptations. You have examples, he says, of people who should have been able to. They all experienced these great things that God was doing, and yet they gave in to temptation. So the instruction is be careful. The warning is, watch out. And it's the Holy Scriptures that are here to help us in those areas. You open this book and you find all kinds of examples of temptation and how different people throughout history who walked with God 
handled temptation. And how it was easy for so many of them to be drawn to sin and give in to the temptation. And so you have those examples there. You also have temptation being resisted in Scripture, and you have examples of that. I just heard somebody speaking this morning when I was getting dressed about Joseph and how he resisted temptation. So there's an example in the area of temptation where somebody resisted. But that's the purpose of the Holy Scriptures. In the area of temptation, it gives us all these examples that can either warn us or give us confidence about temptation. And the Scriptures instruct us. They instruct us to what's wrong, what's right, instruct us about temptation and what you can do to deal with temptation. The Word of God is here to give examples and instructions. The Word of God is here to give us warnings, to warn us about certain sins, to warn us about temptation, to warn us about overconfidence when it comes to temptations. The Word of God is really important when it comes to temptation. Jesus knew that, didn't he? Do you remember in uh, Matthew 4, Luke 4, when Jesus was tempted by the tempter, the devil? How did he resist? He said to the tempter, it is written. He used the Holy Scriptures. It is written. The Word of God is invaluable. So important for dealing with temptation. And I added a fourth thing here about the Word of God, though Paul doesn't really mention it, and that is in the Holy Scriptures, we're given truth. And many of us have learned by now that most temptation has to do with lies and deceptions. That part of the drawing of desires in us toward certain sins involves untruth, believing lies, and being deceived. And it's Scripture who gives us the truth. The writers of Scripture give us the truth. And we can use Scripture to help us when we're tempted. Jesus did. He said it is written. So, we have the Holy Scriptures to help us when we're tempted. They give us examples, they give us instructions, they give us warnings, they give us the truth so that we can stand. But not only do we have the scriptures, we have this but God principle. We have the faithfulness of God. Paul says in verse 13, No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. I think what he's saying is, hey, (laughs) look at the sins the Israelites practiced. Look at the temptations they gave into. Idolatry, sexual immorality, testing God, and grumbling. Can you relate to any of them? There is no temptation that's going to come to you, friends, that someone already hasn't had to deal with. It's like my wife always says, and she's smart. The devil doesn't have to come up with any new tactics. 
and in this case, any new temptations, because the same old ones have worked throughout history. And you and I aren't unique. We cannot say, well, I have this temptation nobody else has ever experienced. That is not true. Paul says, there is no temptation that has come your way that isn't already common to mankind. It's not new. Of course, that doesn't help us a lot, does it? Maybe it takes away one excuse, that uniqueness thing. But Paul makes sure he says that. It goes along with the various kinds of temptations that he talks about. So he says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. In God's faithfulness, he knows and he guards your limits. He knows your limits. It says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, able To do what? Well, I think he tells us at the end of the verse. Be able to bear it. God knows our limits as far as endurance. He knows your limits better than you do as far as endurance and perseverance and the ability to stand firm in a time of temptation. And he's faithful enough that he will not allow a temptation to go beyond what you're able to bear. And he has much more faith in you than you do. Every temptation you and I have, we can bear it. We can endure it. We can persevere. We can stand against it. God knows that. And he will guard your limits. And yet, guess what? We still give in. We still give in. But God is faithful. And Paul says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. He knows and guards your limits. You can resist. Next in his faithfulness, Paul says, with the temptation... He will also provide a way out, an escape, some of your Bibles say. That every time you and I are tempted, God is so faithful, he has already provided a way out. He's provided an escape. Which then means I can't say, well, I had no choice. You ever heard somebody say that? Oh, man, the temptation was so tough. I had no choice. I had to do it. That's wrong. The Bible says God is so faithful. He always gives a way out. He always gives an escape. Now, that can be various things, you know. Um, One way out is the door. That's the way out Joseph used, right? He ran from Potiphar's wife and her advances. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, flee immorality. Sometimes the way out that God gives is a door. Just leave. Sometimes the way out is 
the Word of God. That the Spirit of God will remind you of the Word of God that you would be violating if you gave in to this temptation. You ever had that happen to you? You're in the middle of being tempted, being drawn toward a sin, and all of a sudden some scripture comes to your mind that deals with this? And because it came to your mind, you made the right choice. See, that's God giving you a way out. His Spirit is reminding you of what you've been taught, what the truth is. For some people, it's call a friend. Right? Text a friend. Hey, I'm really struggling with temptation right now. Will you pray with me right now? Will you pray for me? We all have Christian friends who would do that, right? That could be a way out that God gives us. An escape. For some, it's an off-on button. It's right there. You're being drawn towards something on a screen. And God has provided a way out. It's called a little button or a little check. Whatever it is, it's right there. God always provides a way of escape. It's a promise. He's faithful. He will always provide an option. You don't have to give in. And there's such a variety of things that God will put there to help you as far as escapes. For me, a lot of times, and maybe some of you can relate to this, I think the way out that God gives me in some temptations is a song. A song. Sometimes I'm reminded of some scripture, and I just, like Jesus did, I'll, I'll just say, it is written, Satan, or it is written. This is what the Bible says. I'm not going to do this. No. But sometimes it's like, I know I'm being tempted, so I think of a song. Because that song is going to get my focus back on Jesus. And it's pretty hard to give in to sin when I'm focused on Jesus. So sometimes the way out, the escape is a song. Just start singing. Or at least let it go on in your mind. God's providing that for you. The way of escape. And we could go on and on. But the idea is that the promise is that God is faithful. You know that the temptation keeps coming. The temptation is hard. The temptation is a struggle. But God is faithful. And he knows your limits. And he will guard those limits. Which means you can stand against this. And he will provide an escape. Whatever it is, he will provide it a way out. You have options. Sometimes it's just opening your mouth and saying no. Way of escape. Say no. That's the faithfulness of God. And the third thing Paul says is that in providing this way out, God will help you bear it. 
And the word bear simply means endure. It means to stand firm against. By God knowing and guarding your limits. By God providing a way of escape. He helps you and he helps me stand firm against the temptation. Endure it. I know which two temptations I would have put down on my sheet that tend to be a struggle. And I really try hard (laughs) to remember God's faithfulness, to um, stop using excuses. Because I think this but God principle eliminates any excuse you and I could ever have for giving in to temptation. Any excuse. We have his word, we have the truth, we have examples, we have instructions that can really help us. We have the faithfulness of God, his presence with us during the temptation. And he knows our limits and he will guard those limits. And he will give a way of escape. He will provide a way out. I remember for me one time... uh, in a particular temptation that I have struggled with in the past, the way out God gave me was the garbage can. Just throw it in the garbage. It wasn't my doing that it was there in my presence. The U.S. Postal Service made sure it was there in my presence. But God gave me a way out. It was the garbage can. And I look for those ways out. I don't know if you do. But when I'm sensing that temptation, no matter what the temptation is, I'm looking for those ways out. I'm looking for that escape because God is faithful and he promised it's there. You've got to look for it. And then guess what you've got to do? Take it. Take that way of escape. And stand firm. Resist. Endure it. Let me read that but God principle again. And I want you to think about the two you wrote down. Temptations of many kinds are all around us, enticing us towards sin. Look at those two that apply to you. Those two temptations. They are enticing you towards sin, right? That's what they're doing. It's not sin to experience that temptation. But the sin is trying to entice you towards sin. Those two things you wrote down, that's what they're doing. Every time you're tempted, they're trying to draw you, like the bait on a hook, drawing that fish. Want you to bite. That's when the sin takes place. But God... 
but God is faithful. And he's always present to help us resist and endure. What a God. Changes everything. It even changes temptation. He is present and there to help you. Resist, stand firm, give you a way out, guard your limits, help you bear it. Two things on the bottom of your sheet. First one, because of this but God principle, all excuses for giving in to temptations have now been eliminated. News alert. Every excuse you have ever had for giving in to temptation has now been eliminated. God knows and guards your limits. You can bear it. You can resist. God will always give you a way out. Look for it. Take it. God, and I think by his Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit's power, will help us. Resist, stand firm, bear it, persevere. There's no excuses. I remember when I was in high school, multiple times, sitting in a locker room after a game and hearing a coach say to us, after losing, that team over there did not beat you, boys. You gave them the victory. Any of you guys in sports, girls in sports, ever heard that from a coach? They didn't beat you. You gave them the victory. Friends, that's what happens when we're tempted and we give in. Temptation didn't beat us. The tempter didn't beat us. We gave it. We gave him the victory. Because we have a faithful God who knows our limits and guards them for us and always gives a way out, a way of escape, and helps us stand and bear it and resist it and endure. So if we give in to temptation, we gave it the victory. It was our choice. We gave it the victory. I know you don't like to hear that. You're not a victim when it comes to temptation. Child of God, you are not a victim. You have everything that a faithful God has given to you to resist. It's a wonderful principle. But the last thing I want you to think about is, okay, what do we do now? If, if all my excuses have been eliminated, what do I do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep preparing for these 
two temptations that I struggle with the most. I'm going to keep praying about it, depending on the Lord. I'm going to keep preparing for them because I know they're going to come. I'm going to keep preparing, and one of the ways is to stay in this word, keep caught up on the truth. I'm going to pray and prepare for when temptation comes. And when it comes, I'm going to look for the option other than giving in. I'm going to look for the way out because I trust a faithful God. There is a way out. I don't have to give in to this temptation. I'm going to look for it, and I'm going to take it. And I'm going to trust the help of the Holy Spirit and His power in me, as hard as the struggle is, to help me stand. To help me stand. And then I'm going to thank God I'm going to thank God that he is faithful. He's faithful in temptation. So let me read the principle once more without stopping, and then I'll pray. Temptations of many kinds are all around us, enticing us towards sin. And this presents a great struggle. But God is faithful. He is always present to help us resist and endure. Believe it, because it's true. Act on it every time. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Father, you show your faithfulness in so many ways, in so many situations. And Father, we are so glad that you're faithful in temptation. We thank you that you're present every time we're tempted. We thank you that your faithfulness will always give us a way out and escape. Help us to see. Help us to sense. Help us to know that way out. Help us to take it. Help us to be bold enough to take that way out and to resist. Help us not to be so overconfident that we think we can stand against anything. But help us to be dependent upon your Holy Spirit to be able to resist, to bear, to endure, to persevere. And every time we do that, Lord, every time we respond to your faithfulness and temptation, may you get the glory and may we grow. In Christ's name, amen. We close out worship in praising God for His faithfulness. <clears throat> Psalm 119, 89 through 93. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By Your appointment they stand this day. For all things are Your servants. If Your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Please stand with us.